You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show. And before I get into the intro of today's guests, I wanted to cover two things. The first thing is for all of those of you who have subscribed to the podcast and left a review on iTunes, I greatly appreciate it. It is really helpful to help boost the awareness of the podcast and let other people in on these amazing interviews with these guests. I mean, I've been very fortunate to have just be speaking with so many incredible people that do amazing things in all different walks of life. And it's a privilege and an honor to be able to help amplify what they're doing to a wider audience. So your reviews and the subscriptions help boost the podcast and it helps um, get word out to more people, right? As of right now, I am not making any money with the podcast. This is not necessarily something to you know, put more money in my pocket, although I will say, ironically, maybe perhaps hypocritically, the, um, I've recently launched a donation piece because uh, this does take up a, quite a bit of my time. Uh, there are uh, a number of hard costs that go into producing this podcast from audio and video editing, graphic work, of course, um, the time that it takes to schedule calls, the website hosting, the media hosting, um, the calendar uh, software that we use, and et cetera, et cetera. So there's quite a bit of work that goes into each of these. The transcriptions alone are probably $100 a pop. So um, anything that you'd be willing to uh, donate is very, very much appreciated. Um, and uh, I, could, I can't thank you enough for those that are able and willing to do that. The second thing that I wanted to mention, actually, I guess that was the second thing. The third thing that I wanted to mention now is there is a uh, something that I'm very passionate about and that I want to bring more awareness to. It's uh, organization called OUR, and that stands for Operation Underground Railroad. It's a group of former special ops guys, special forces, you know, in the military, and and other guys that have gone in and they bust uh, child sex rings all across the world, including here in the United States. Uh, they've got an incredible program. Tim Ballard is the CEO and founder of the organization, and if you can. If you can bear it, there is a fascinating, incredible, profoundly moving documentary on Amazon Prime that you can check out. I think it's called, I should have it in front of me, it's called uh, Operation Toursant. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, it, it's, it's obviously the subject matter is incredibly difficult to to process, but um, they did a phenomenal job with the documentary. And if you can, if you're willing to kind of take a look at it, it's such a obviously it's a huge need, um, and uh, these poor kids are being um, taken advantage of in a in a very evil way. So anything that we can do to help support that, I consider it to be the greatest evil on the planet. And uh, so I do have a page that you can put your name and email address in if you're interested in sort of just becoming a part of my growing group of people who are wanting to do something. Um, if you go to pkexperience.com forward slash O-U-R, that's pkexperience.com forward slash O-U-R. Just put your email in there and um, you know when things come up, I'll send an email out and let you know like fundraisers and uh, volunteer work and things like that. It's all, there's a large group of volunteers that help run the the organization for all the different things that they do. So you can sign up there. All right. Um, 
Now to my guest. Her name is Anne-Marie Saccarato, and she is a badass, a straight-up certified badass. She's a third-time, uh, I'm sorry, three-time WBC lightweight world champion pro boxer. She's been inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame. She's been named in the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters in the world. She's survived a near-fatal car crash three days just after her 18th birthday. Two documentaries have been made featuring her story and someone even made a song about her that's on YouTube, which is kind of fun to hear. Um, but it's been a pleasure to get to know her a little bit more. I'm actually helping her with some of her web and branding needs online. So, uh, I've gotten to know her a little bit more than just on the podcast. And like I said, and not only is she badass, but she is one of the most humble and, um, uh, loving leaders. I mean, she's she's tough. Don't get me wrong, but she comes with such a pure heart that uh, it's truly inspirational. So, like I said, it's a real pleasure and honor to share this podcast call with you today. Here I am with Anne Marie Saccarato. All right, I am with Anne Marie Saccarato. Anne Marie, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the call today. You and I have had <laughs> quite the back and forth to get this. You know, sometimes when in life, like when you're faced with so much resistance, sometimes it's because the universe is like trying to tell you, you need to, this is not working. You need, you need to do something else. But there's other times where it's like, no, this has to get done. It's going to get done no matter come hell or high water, this is going to get done. And I feel like this is one of those cases where you and I definitely needed to have this conversation and uh, had to fight through the uh, resistance. Listen, resistance just pushes you to the next level, right? Without uncomfortability and uncertainty you never know what your possibilities are so absolutely absolutely well yeah actually on that note how do you know because that's something i'll face sometimes where i'm like is this just is this me just you know not pushing through or is it do i need to change course how do you know the difference between the two no it's a it's definitely um it's a battle i mean i i, I definitely battle that as well um but i think my firm answer on that is you know we have this head we have this heart and soul that we live by and the head is all about survival, but the heart and soul is all about who we truly are. It defines us. It defines, you know, our destiny, what we want out of life, where we're destined to go, where we're willing to go to. And if we can follow that in those areas where we feel that that resistance is becoming burdensome, that's going to allow us to create that resistance, those obstacles to become our way towards what we really want to achieve. But it's learning how to listen to our heart and our soul. Our heart and our soul would define us. Our brains are, we can all read you know, the same topics uh, of discussion, read the same books, hear the same speakers. But if we just listen to that alone in dealing, especially areas of resistance, we would all be just robotic in how we dealt with it. If we're able to tune into our heart and our soul, let that actually define us in those moments that matter the most, that are the most difficult for us, we're always going to come out with the right answer. There will ne never be a regret in that because we're following our path of who we are internally. I 100% agree with that. And you're right. The, the matters of the heart are not formulaic. Uh, and thank God, right? I mean, if they were, then we'd all be robots, like you were saying. Um, well, so for those that don't know who you are, let's give people a little bit of a background, uh, who you are, what your journey has been, because it's, it's been quite a journey. Um, we've had the opportunity to sh talk a little bit off, uh, off this conversation. But um, for those that don't know, who, who are you? Tell us a little about your story. Who am I? That's a grand question. Um, I am a source of inspiration and a force of empowerment and, and love. That, that's who I am. My, my, my journey started when I was very young. My mission, I knew when I was very young to be able to inspire and change lives. And that's what I, you know, we talk about the, um, 
resistance. Um, I believe that when I put that out to the universe, that's what really set my life on its path because it set me up with all these obstacles um, that led me to actually becoming who I am and who I'm still becoming. So what I put out into the universe when I was, I was young by saying, this is who I have, what I have inside of me. This is what I want to become. And this is what the universe gave me in return, which was uh, becoming through many obstacles, one of a uh, growing up in a dysfunctional family with my mother, my father, uh, my father was very abusive to my mom. And, uh, you know, that, that set my path, having to deal with that, having to deal with circumstances off of that, uh, growing up in complete poverty from um, a father that was a deadbeat dad, um, as well as abusive to my mom. And then next obstacle, dealing with uh, facing death in a car accident when I was 17 or excuse me, 18 years old. Um, I'm away to go compete uh, and play for Seton Hall University. Um, and then after that, dealing with that ordeal, becoming a three-time uh, WBC lightweight world champion and in the Hall of Fame, um, as well as a performance coach and speaker and mentor. So in a nutshell, that encompasses who I am. But really who I am is just somebody that wants to change and empower and inspire as many lives as possible. Thank, that, was, that was powerful. I, I, I think every time somebody asks me that, you know, who are you, what's your story, I'll come up with a different answer because it's all these different things. You, you, you boiled that down pretty succinctly. Let's go, um, if you don't mind me asking, in what ways, this is a pretty personal question out of the gate, but what ways was your father abusive, if you don't mind me asking that? No, I don't mind at all. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my life, my journey is, is uh, like I believe everything in life is to share and to give to others. So if my story helps others, I'm going to give my story to the max, anybody that asks and, and wants to know more about it. Um, my father was uh, verbally, physically abusive to my mom on a daily basis. I mean, I grew up with cops at the house pretty much every single, every single night. Um, we got divorced when I was in fifth or sixth grade, but those divorce proceedings went on until I was uh, a freshman in college about um, because he was, he was involved with some stuff that what I understand anyway, shouldn't have been involved in. And, you know, he was cheating on my mom, he was drinking um, and, you know, there was a lot of things that were going on um, that, you know, he would, we had orders of protection on him. He, he put us in a circumstance where he never paid any child support. He never paid um, any alimony, he had money hidden, um, you know, so we ended up growing in complete poverty. I mean, I would come home from school and had, you know, in the wintertime, several layers of clothes on me just to keep warm. Um, you know, the stove was our heat. Um, you know, he told us he wanted us having, selling pencils to survive. And he did everything he could to, you know, to try to make that happen. Um, had the house taken away from us, cars taken away. Um, but something inside me just said, you know, I, I was going to be the one to um, use this as my fuel to keep pushing me forwards and keep pushing me upwards. Um, where, where does that strength come from, do you think? I was born with it. I was blessed with it. It was a gift. I mean, we all have gifts that we're given. It's just being open enough and willing enough to look within ourselves and trust in those gifts. Um, mm -hmm. I've always had this, this fighter, protector, warrior mentality, soul uh, inside me, even as, as a kid, you know, wanting to protect my mom, wanting to protect my brother in those circumstances. Um, and just, I, I, listen, like I said, you know, I was maybe four or five years old, as crazy as it sounds, but I remember sitting on my basement stairs and um, just sitting there thinking one day, and it just came through me. I can't express, you know, where it came from. I can't explain where it came from. Um, but that there was something more that was inside of me that I needed to give out to this world who I am. Um, and I knew that I needed to be put on a platform to be present in, in terms of speaking to others on a broader scale. And 
that guided me uh, even at that young age. I said, okay, I'm going to become a professional athlete because that's going to put me to a greater stage. I thought it would also financially, you know, I, I didn't want to be making it rain. I just want to take care of my mom and my brother. Um, but obviously it doesn't hold that true for female athletes. We're working on that. But, um, you know, I wanted to be in a, in, in a place where I could have money coming in. I knew I love sports and use that as a, um, a launch pad to get me out there more publicly uh, and put me on a stage. People could actually see my journey of what I've been through and who I am and get my voice out to, to the public and, and utilize that. Um, so, you know, with that being in, in my heart and my soul, it, it pushed me to overcome all the adversity constantly and uh, that I was dealing with on a daily basis. So, you know, I, that's the best answer I can give you because I can't explain it any other way. It was just a higher, yeah, higher light. But level. you felt at that early of an age um, that sort of calling. I did. I absolutely yeah, did. I absolutely did. I remember, I, remember um, I, I fell in love with basketball first and I would be outside. We, we couldn't afford a, a basketball hoop yet. And there was a tree in my front yard that uh, was a pretty tall tree and had a split um, right out to the, the street. And I would use that as my hoop and would just aim for the middle of the tree, shoot the ball in between and go around. And I remember in the rain, in the snow, I'd be out there. It didn't matter. I was out there 24 seven outside of school or outside of my school practices from being a kid. I mean, I just put all my focus into what my dreams were. Um, I wasn't that kid that was going out and hanging out with friends all the time or, you know, doing um, really anything else but going to school, we go to practice after school and go to another practice, a travel team practice after that, and was just completely committed to what I wanted to do. Um, I remember even reading, you know, reading books like uh, The Power of Now at a very early age, just trying to grow myself mentally as well as, as physically and emotionally and just um, uh, try to become the person that I'm still becoming. Yeah. Um, and you said you have a brother. He's a younger brother, correct? Are you the oldest child? Me and my brother. Okay. Um, what was – what was it like when you, when you were younger? You said your dad got uh, divorced from your mom when you were about how old again? You know, it, the, the proceedings, I mean, he got taken from the house um, with the police and all that started or, or left when I was maybe in fifth or sixth grade. Uh, but I mean, the, the abuse of my mom started when I was in nursery school. Mm. Uh, you know, that's, that's when, uh, you know, yeah, she would be chased around the house by him with, with a hammer. Um, you know, I remember being outside and hearing her scream. I was playing in the snow and come inside and, you know, she was bleeding. And it was just, I mean, it's terrible. You know, it's, um, no child should ever have to go through anything like that on, on any. No. Well, that's, that's what kind of boggles the mind. If the police are out there that often, and especially if there's blood, I mean, how do, how does he not get put away or at least a restraining order or, from what I, I mean, he there were there were restraining orders that he went against, um, and from what I understand, you know, he was involved with, he was involved with individuals he shouldn't have been involved in that allowed things to kind of slip by, and him to get cut loose, and um, you know, unfortunately, that's 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 the way it goes sometimes. Um, you know, I you know, I I have a strong admiration for. Um, the vast majority of police officers who put themselves, in, you know, who sacrifice themselves and put them, them in, you know, in the line of duty rather. Um, but I have had a few minor instances, certainly compared to others, uh, interactions with law enforcement. And I'm, there's such a facade, I think, of protection and justice. And, um, and again, that's not to take away from the many, many good men and women in law enforcement and in, you know, uh, the court system, et cetera. But 
there is there, you know, in I ran into a similar situation too, where money definitely and politics, people, someone, you know, somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody absolutely played into justice or injustice. Uh, it's incredible to me how I don't blame, I, I don't, you know, and I don't, want to, I, I don't, I don't, it, it's, it's a matter of connections that from what I get, from what I understand, uh, connections that he had with certain individuals and, you know, that's how we would get cut loose, you know, um, or my mother would let him off, you know, that also was, was cases that I understood too. Um, it, and, you know, I definitely back 110%. I mean, my brother, my brother's in law enforcement. My brother was uh, first responder at 9-11, uh, police officer, U.S. National, uh, US National Guard, um, Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, many, many, many good friends of mine are law enforcement, are military, are, are fire. And um, so I don't want, I'm not saying that on any level. Um, but, you know, there's, when he, what I say, my father was involved in, in criminal activity. And, you know, it's those connections, right, again, matter of circumstance that he would be released and reasons why the court proceedings would carry on for years um, because he would go and against orders of protection, mm. um, go against restraining orders. And some reason, you know, those things would kind of just get pushed to the side. And a lot of times those court proceedings would start all over again with a new judge would come in, a new judge would come in. Um, anytime things were going in a bad way for him. So it, it's a crazy you know, it was a crazy, it's a crazy time. Yeah. But, I would imagine frustrating as hell too. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was all those things, but you know what? At the same time, I, I thank God for it because it's helped to make me who I am and see things in the light that I see things. Now. I love that. Um, what did you play at Seton Hall? I was um, actually, I was originally recruited to play volleyball for Seton Hall University. Um, I then got picked up by it's a funny story. I was at the school and uh, to meet with the volleyball coach. And um, I, it, you know, I, I definitely believe in if you put it out there into this universe, it'll happen. That's been the story of my life. Mm-hmm. And I always imagine, okay, I'm going to be in the best in the gym, playing basketball, shooting around, be picked up by a coach. And that's actually what happened. I was in the gym. I got there early and I was in the gym on campus and I was just messing around. And the men's coach came up to me and he asked me my name and he asked me if I was a recruit for, the women's team. Um, and I said, no, he goes, you need to be, he goes, I want you to meet Phyllis Mangina. She's the head coach mm-hmm. and talk to her. And she wanted to have, you know, videos sent of me, wanted me to be on the team. And, you know, I ended up playing uh, volleyball for them was supposed to be released to go to the basketball team. That didn't happen when I actually got there and um, I actually ended up leaving the following year just because of financial reasons back home and needing to support myself and take care of things back home. But it's actually where looking back, what was supposed to happen because I don't believe that school university was really, it wasn't meant for me and what I want to do. I wasn't going to learn what I want to do and pursue in my mission from being in school at that time in college. Mm-hmm. I've learned as being a performance coach, Um, you know, I started off as an intern when I was in high school, my senior year, and I needed that experience in my belt. I started working my following year. I went back and I was working for a New York sports club at the time and, um, as a trainer. And I just embedded myself on double shifts. I was there all morning and I was there all night and I worked seven days a week, actually worked seven days a week until I was 35 years old, um, from, from 18 or 19 years old. 
Um, I just embedded myself, followed trainers around, went to as many um, certifying courses I could get into, uh, continuing education courses that I can get into. And like I said, just it was educating myself. And that was probably the best thing, not probably, that was the best thing I could have done for myself. And, and what I want to do is also open up doors for um, me and my boxing career as well. So a lot of doors opened up for me and got, uh, living my life because the greatest university we have is, is life, right? Yep. Um, and the education that I really needed to pursue and grow on was the experience of, of being in the gym, being around all these other trainers and, and um, therapists, as well as the knowledge of um, higher educators in the field, traveling around and going to uh, certification, going to courses and learning from them as well. And then actually had the opportunity to work with them um, for the past few years. That's uh, amazing. When did you first get into boxing? Um, you know what? I never, I never wanted to box a day in my life. I never thought I would box a day in my life. It, uh, it found me, mm. but again, that's the universe calling, right? Mm. Um, my boxing career started actually by way of, I, I told you I was in a car accident. My senior year of high school, um, I was in a car accident. Well, my senior year of high school, I had this feeling that a very strong feeling. It got stronger and stronger as my year progressed actually that something life-threatening was going to happen to me. And I couldn't explain it. I just, I just had this really, really strong feeling inside. And the summer after my senior year, three days after my 18th birthday, um, August 5th, 1995, I was in, involved in a car accident. It was a car that was coming back from a competition called the Empire State Games, upstate New York. They divide New York into several regions. It's kind of based on the Olympics. They have all different sports competing. And... Um, Originally, I was supposed to be in my coach's car coming back from the games. Uh, the funny thing is, when we left, all the cars uh, get together, all the athletes, and they take buses up in different locations. My mother had dropped me off that day um, at convention center to go upstate New York. And I remember getting on the bus, and you know, my mom's waving goodbye, so wave goodbye. And this feeling rushed through me. What if I never see my mother again? Hmm. I don't know where that came from. I can't explain it, but it definitely came through me and was leaving, you know, leaving the event. Like I said, I was supposed to be my coach's car. Ended up being pushed into, because he had to leave earlier than me, going into my uh, my captain of the team's car and fell asleep in the backseat of a two-door Beretta. And um, I remember sleeping, you know, I couldn't fit my pillow in the trunk. So the only thing we couldn't fit in the trunk, the car hydroplaned, we 360'd off the highway, we wrapped a pole, and I was found through the back window, halfway hanging out the back window of the car mm-hmm. unconscious. Um, so they stat, they were supposed to stat flight me to a trauma one center, put me on, uh, instead they put me on advanced life support, drove me down to a trauma one center because the weather's too severe, did somewhere between 14, 18 hours of surgery, broke my left fib tib, um, had nerve damage in my left leg, had no feeling in my left leg, uh, massive cut down my leg, um, broke my right femur, metal rod in my femur, metal rod, metal mm-hmm. rod, if I didn't say I don't remember my tibia, broke my right hip bone broke all the ribs on my right side, punctured my right lung, shattered my right arm in five places, tore apart my chin. Um, and, you know, the doctors, when I woke up from the surgery, the doctors, they had my mother and my, my family in a private room. They didn't think I was making it through the surgery um, or through the night. And um, the first words that I said, true story, were what about sports? First thing that I said when I woke up. And because, again, your heart and your soul is the strongest thing that we have. They right. know it, right? So, you know, the doctors – had told me they didn't know if I was going to walk or walk normal again. I, I, did, I didn't have feeling in my left leg at that time. Um, and I looked at them and I said, you have no idea what's inside of me. And I'll never forget that because I knew what my destiny was. And even after when I got better, I knew my destiny was 
that that was supposed to happen to me because I was strong enough to overcome it. And that was part of my journey. It's part of my story that I'm going to live. That's a tell. And this is all true. So August 5th of 95, to week before Halloween, I was in uh, Westchester Medical Center week before Halloween, to week before Thanksgiving. I was at Burke Rehabil- Rehabilitation Center, which is where Christopher Reeves did his surgery. And then after that, I was, boom, the next day, I was back in the gym training. And that's when I started to, uh, I started to take a boxing class just for conditioning and ended up um, becoming friends with another trainer there that taught uh, Jeet Kune Do, which is what uh, Bruce Lee had created. And started studying that, that gravitated towards that. And, you know, a friend of mine sent me something, this is months down the road, about New York Golden Globes. And I was like, you know, I want to compete. And I said, um, I have boxed and talked to this boxing instructor I originally met, worked with him for a couple of weeks, went into the fight, and um, was like a Tasmanian devil in the ring. Just, <laughs> listen, I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. I, 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 you know, I go after what I want. And um, ended up facing a national champion for my very first fight with about two weeks of boxing training under my belt. What? Yeah. True. What and an initiation. Yes, yes, yes. And didn't care. It was all for it. Um, you know, you got to take massive action, right? You want to change. And I was ready. So we went three rounds. And 30 seconds left of the third round, um, she broke my nose. And um, I ended up, you know, I was bleeding all over the ring. They stopped the fight. And the funny thing is, after that, I had no business being in the ring period. But I get um, a woman comes up to me and she gives me an airline ticket. And she says, listen, we need another competitor for um, the U S nationals in Midland, Texas. You're leaving two days or the next day. I don't know if it's the next day or two days. And um, I said, wait, what? And they say, I know I'm flying to Midland, Texas with a broken nose and two black eyes to compete in the U S nationals. What, how long, how much longer was that fight? Well, that, so that fight was uh, the the fight that broke my nose was I believe Friday night. I, 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 no, you know what else means that Sunday, Sunday or Monday that I was on a flight I believe to Midland, Texas, um, to compete in the U.S. Nationals, which is a week long event, and I wound up in the finals of the U.S. Nationals because Wait, so, the, was, so the fight the fight where you broke your nose was on a Friday or whatever, and then you flew out right away. But when was the next fight? The next the next fight was like that. Maybe I mean we're talking you know nineteen. How many years? No, it was about 1999 or 2000. Um, I mean, was it days later, weeks later, months later? No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was like three days later, four days later. That's it. Dan Ray, that's and, crazy. Yeah. So, but this is <laughs> oh so, so, broken nose, two black guys. Now, listen, in, in Olympic style boxing, <laughs> amateur boxing, you're not, they don't let you fight when you have those conditions. It's all about safety. They let me fight. And I fought and I fought and I fought and I wound up in the finals. I beat everybody just because I was a fighter. I mean, I was just going after what I wanted and didn't care who was in my way until a week later. I fought the national champion again in the finals of the U.S. Nationals. Same, same girl you same fought the girl, first time. Same girl didn't work out well. <laughs> then I fought her a week later in the finals of the U.S. Golden Globes. Oh, my God. I fought God. her three times in three weeks. And I said, all right. I'm game. Let's go. After that, I, I focused myself on boxing and um, and my training career. And uh, wait, how did the how did the third fight go? It didn't work out well. <laughs> so she she had your number. Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, so I mean you had two weeks of was, two weeks of training. Yeah. She was, you know, twenty three and zero, something like that. Um, oh man. And the funny thing is, she commentated my first world title fight. She was right? for my first world title fight. Uh, and so it kind of just all. Everything kind of comes together. The uh, fact that you could even hang with her for more than 
60 seconds is probably a testament to your ability to, you know, your heart and your passion to fight through the, the hurt. Yeah. I mean, mean, that's, you know, that's, and, and, you know, somebody told me once watching me, watching me fight was um, like my life and live in art form. And it's, it's, it's true because I do believe that, you know, we were defined by how much on, comfortability uncertainty we're allowed to we're we're willing to push ourselves to in life you know and having that you know that that truth of heart and soul and what we're really meant for what we really desire and you know we're given these tests in life to see how far one to prepare us i believe for what's further ahead and to see how much we're willing to give to get to what we really want and you know it's i i'm focused on something i'm going to give 110 percent towards that and i'm you know my heart my soul my all because i believe in that and i believe in myself you know, so that was me in, in those fights. That, that's been me my entire life outside of that. What boxing's done is also it's, it's elevated me too um, as an individual because it challenges you not just – and, yes, this is, this is true of many things in life if you allow it to be, but challenges you in the sense of your uh, – not just your physical, but your mental, your emotional, your spiritual, your truth, your truth in who you are, you're facing your actual fears. What, what are you willing to do when you're in these circumstances? How far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to take yourself? Um, are you willing to take yourself to that next standard? Are you always willing to raise your standards of who you are? Because it, life is defined by the standards that we hold ourselves to. And you're not going to get to that next level until you actually push that next level, believe in yourself of mm-hmm. that next level. And that's, that's really the sport of, 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 of boxing or any, I think, combat sport. And I, you know, I play basketball, volleyball, softball, you know, um, you know, all sports, there's that competition. But you're in that ring, you're in that cage, and it's just you and another competitor going toe-to-toe. It, it just takes you to another sense of your truth. Yeah. What was your highlight of your career? My highlight was um, my second world title fight that was in California. Um, It actually went down as uh, one of the top five fights in the sport of history of women's boxing. And uh, probably the main reason why I'm in, I got inducted into, uh, into the hall of fame. And that was with Jessica Ricosi. Uh, That fight was definitely the pinnacle of my career. Uh, We went, toe-to-toe for 10 rounds. I mean, she was known as the unstoppable one. And um, we literally went shot for shot, no exaggeration, 10 rounds straight. I remember the 10th round, the bell went off and us leaning on each other. And we're like, let's do this. And, you know, we were both game. We had said it before the fight. We went to each other before the fight. We were like, let's put on a show for women's boxing. And that's what we went in there to do. We were, you know, she's a warrior. I have so much respect for her. Um, you know, it was in her hometown. She's a big name, not just in California, but in the sport. And I remember, I think it was the sixth round, end of the sixth round, going into the seventh, I came back to my corner and they're like, it's close, which I knew. And a close fight in somebody else's hometown, it's going to go to them. That's just how it goes. And I got out of the corner and, and I was probably the best condition of my, my life for that fight. Um, I was geared up and ready to go mentally, physically, emotionally. It was just a perfect storm for me. And, um, I got out of the corner and the one word that just kept ringing through my head from my heart, from my soul is believe. And that seventh round, I heard her. I didn't know how bad, um, but apparently I, I, I heard her so much. She couldn't see out of her, her left eye at the time. I didn't realize I had broken her jawbone and her orbital. She kept fighting. I found this out later. Wow. Um, and just kept saying, believe, believe, believe. Now mind you, she's still coming at me literally shot for shot for shot. Tenth round comes, I told you we were just exhausted. We were gassed, and we knew it, and we were just respecting each other. We're both bleeding. We're banged up. And um, two seconds left in the tenth round, 
one move. And again, you know, repetition, excellence is all about repetition and habit and rituals. Habit and rituals was this one move that I was practicing repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. Tenth round, two seconds left. It just came naturally. I stepped to the side, threw a feint, stepped to the side, threw a right hand, and she dropped and went down. And that was the fight. Oh, and my goodness. Place went nuts. It was, it was the most insane moment of my life. Definitely the pinnacle of my career. And just, um, you know, it, it's I – wish, I wish the fight was aired nationally. That's the only thing I, I hate about it. Um, people still – Oh, no. Did I lose you? Call me for copies of that fight. I'm like, I think me and her just put them. Yeah, yeah. You you um, stop for a second. We have a big storm rolling through, so I don't know if that's affected yeah, some we of. We do too. We do too. Yeah, the whole country is kind of under a rain cloud right now. Uh, so I, I lost you there for just a second. Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll back up. Um, I was saying that the only sad part is really that it wasn't aired nationally. Um, and I think me and Jess are really the only ones that have copies of the fight because people still contact me to to get a copy of the fight now. Is it uh, is that something you can put on YouTube? I you know what I I I have to do that. I haven't done it. I do have to do that. Really oh my gosh! Absolutely, you got to get that up. I would love to see that. Hundred percent. Are you guys still friends? No, I haven't talked to her uh, since since the fight. The airport the next day. I mean, I was flying home and uh, I saw her in the airport and just all you know all banged up and they were flying her out to go to another doctor um, because of the injuries, which is something. I mean that that. That's something that is never – that's something that sucks, you know, seeing that aftermath of a fight. Somebody has to go to the hospital. You never – you know, you're, you're never happy with that. Right. Um, that, that's like, I was like, what are you doing? Um, and she she stopped for a while. Um, from what I understand, what I was told, that, that she was medically retired for a bit. I'm sure for, for just safety and allow her to heal up. Uh, but thank God I heard she was back fighting. She was in the UFC. She was competing in the UFC. I'm not yeah. sure she is right now, but uh, – you know, again, she's, I had the utmost respect for her. She's just a true warrior, a true athlete. Um, I think she had uh, at least one child since then. And, um, you know, that child's definitely blessed to have someone in her life. She's, you know, it's such a, it's such a weird dichotomy to compete against somebody like that, because on one hand, I, I would imagine that there needs to be a level of like, uh, fierceness and I'm going to destroy you and, and you're you're my obstacle to what I'm trying to achieve and yet at the same time there is that connection and the camaraderie of we are especially when you go deep into a fight like that I would imagine that like you were saying there's that um, bond that you sort of have like nobody else is going through this except for you and I uh, it's kind of a wild uh, dichotomy I, I've experienced that a little bit in competition you you know you face somebody that brings out the best in you and your best then brings out the best in them and it's this weird relationship that you have because you're trying to beat each other you know other what though it's like I, i've never i've never gotten into a fight outside of that you know never and that that's growing up never it's never been you know part of of who i am um so it's always been sport to me you know being in the ring and to be able to push each other and go in there with someone else that you know is at that same level of competition, we're not just pushing each other, we're pushing ourselves to see what we can really do. It's not about, um, it's not about putting a, a hurting on the other person, so to speak. It, it's, it's something very, it's something very different. It's something very spiritual. It's something, um, I don't think you really can truly understand unless you're actually in the sport, but afterwards, right. you know, respect. I mean, afterwards we go out, we're buying each other drinks at the after party and, you know, talking and hanging out. I mean, it's it's it is such a level of respect like i said it's a bond it's a bond and and 
you know, you walk away from that hoping that you, like you said too, elevated that individual to another level, another yeah. level. And I said, it's not just about the physical, you know, it's the spiritual, it's the mental, it's the emotional, so many different value systems that are brought into play in that world. Crazy. You also fought uh, Holly Holmes, right? I did. I fought Holly twice. Um, Bo- boxing though, not um, a lot of people know her through the, through UFC. Right. Yeah. Um, and she's another one. I mean, Holly's, Holly's awesome. I just so much respect for her. Um, Holly and I fought on the first ever nationally aired all women's card. Um, my God, what was that? Maybe 2007. I, don't quote me on that year. Um, but we're on Fox, Fox sports, best damn sports show. And, um, man, I, that was such an awesome fight. And that was another fight. Very, very close. We went, we went really toe to toe for, for 10 rounds to our first fight. Um, you know, she got, we fought in New Mexico. She got the win. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. You asked me, I think it was a draw. Um, what was cool is, you know, I, and I don't like to say that. I'll say when I, I've taken my losses and I know sure. when I'm losses and I'll admit it. And I've grown from them. They're not my losses. Like, you know what? She had me on this. She had me on that hundred percent. Um, but Holly, um, when I came home from that fight, I had a slew of emails just from people that had watched it that, you know, had, had seen it and thought the same thing. So it was really cool, you know, to, to be able to come back to that, to that type of support. Um, but I always wanted that rematch and I was very hungry for that rematch. And because I, even when I turned pro or when I first won my first world title, I said, you know what? I only want to continue to fight the best of the best. I don't want to drop down. I want to keep pushing myself and rising to that occasion to see what I can really do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, taking that loss from Holly, I was like, I need a second chance at this. And had my second chance come, but um, I had a freak accident actually that happened not too long before I had my, my true opportunity I was waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought a Harley. I had, you know, I was in a time where I bought – I had a bunch of fights that fell out one after another. I think it was like six or seven fights in a row that fell out. And um, it's like, ah, you know, and I had a good friend of mine um, that was in one of the boxing gyms and he was just like, you know what? He's like, you're doing so much for everybody else. You're always training yourself. You're putting all this time with this. He's like, he knew I always wanted a Harley and I was putting up. So he's like, let's go. Let's go get bikes. Let's do it. And I was like, all right, cool. So get the bike and at the dealer and, I slide my foot to the side and the bike is on an angle. Okay? It's on an incline. I'm talking, listening to the sales guy and uh, I yeah, start moving my, my foot and I feel <laughs> the bike starting to tip. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I just bought you. Yeah. Superwoman, I got this. Put my arm down on the floor. Thank God I had my bike jacket on. Not that it did enough, but I remember I'm posting up a 1200 pound bike and um, I felt my elbow. I felt a snap, pop. It's not good. I'm going to ignore it right now. Got back up on the bike. And he's like, you all right? I'm like, I'm good. Ride the bike back to the gym. It's not right. Take the bike jacket off. And my elbow is like five times the size that it should. Uh. And it turns out, long story short, that I broke my right, um, the head off my humerus. I broke my right elbow. I broke my right tricep. And right at that point, I was getting the call for Holly for the rematch oh my gosh and i didn't know what the actual injury was yet i knew it wasn't right and uh, yeah that fight was maybe three months after maybe four months after that happened so still going in there with a broken elbow and torn tricep and um you know i wasn't gonna pull myself out unless my team did They're like, no you're good you're good um i you know i i love 
everybody that I work with. But here, here's the, the truth of my boxing career, if we go into that for a second, because this is also very, very important. And I believe that this also was part of my life growing up. Um, you know, I spent so much time by myself just focused on my, my goals and didn't let any outside influences impact me or take me away from what my goals were. Um, my boxing career was the same. 90%, which a lot of people don't know, is 90% of my boxing career was me just training myself 100%. Um, I lived in I lived in Westchester and my I trained at a Gleason's gym, which is in Brooklyn. And um, travel time, that wasn't something that was actually possible with training all my clients in the morning and in the evening and rush hour in, in the city. And financially, I wasn't able to make it happen. So it's like, all right, I got this. And it was me and a bag pretty much most of my career until I had a fight, a, a contract. Um, but I would put myself through the ringer. I, I trained the hell out of myself so many times that I would go back to police and say, like, who are you working with? I was like, nobody. It's me. Putting hours in, three hours a day, four hours a day, didn't matter. Pushing myself. And, um, you know, I, I, I had the, the blessing to work with um, Hector Roca. Hector Roca, who's trained uh, Hillary Swank for Million Dollar Baby. He's worked with Toro Gotti and some of the biggest names. And I had the opportunity to work with him for uh, the first fight I actually had with Holly. Um, but, you know, I wasn't down there all the time, so it wasn't a set situation. These are the fighters I was working with, and I ended up for the second fight with Holly working for another team of guys that, um, you know, I knew they wanted to work with me. I've seen them. I want to work with them. But I, looking back, don't believe they had actually my best interest in heart in the fight. Mm-hmm. But, you you know, you run into that sometimes in, in, in the world, too. Um, so I went along with them, and, and, you know, I believe, you know, if it was Hector or anybody else, they would have told me not to, but, you know, these guys went with it, and I went with it because I was hungry for the fight. I got this, and um, no problem, but uh, it didn't work out my, my way at all. It's actually the worst decision I probably could have done. Mm. It was a very ugly fight. But, I, you know, I also got a headbutt. Second round, I had my headbutt headbutted. Uh, we butted heads really, really badly. I had, like, a softball literally on my head. Mm. I really don't – honestly, I don't remember – much of the fight after that. That's how bad the headbutt was. Damn. So, you know, it was two things working against me. Um, you know, I, I did it. It's a lesson. I don't, you know, look at it as, um, you know, anything less than that. I, I, you know what? I don't regret it. I'm not upset about it because it gave me uh, an even greater lesson in life. I, you know, it, it, it showed me that, you know, that, that moment at that, that time, um, that it was time to, you know, if I was, I needed to start, looking at other avenues outside of boxing because I was meant for more. Mm-hmm. I have a bigger purpose outside. Boxing was my, um, what's the word? My springboard, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It allowed me the opportunity. I had my first, my first world title fight. Um, I, you know, I said, I want to have a documentary crew follow me. I want them to see what this life is like, what it's like for, for a female boxer, for a female athlete and, and grinding the way that I do. And, and really the truth of this, not just this sport, but female athletes in general that are really about this, you know, that, that 1% of athletes that like, give their all. And when I signed that contract, I had PBS contacting me the next day for a documentary series, you know, uh, or a documentary that they did on me. And then I had a second documentary done, done on me. I had a song written about me on iTunes. <laughs> I don't know, right? I've been featured in several books. So, you know, boxing's opened up. I've been asked to speak in several locations, Intrepid, Fordham University, um, the Biltmore Hotel in, in Florida, you know, doing a lot of charity work, um, speaking for the Women's Sports Foundation, speaking for Power Play New York, Athletes for Hope, uh, speaking at children's hospitals, which greatest blessing to be able to touch lives of kids in a hospital. So mm-hmm. it's opened up all these doors, but I needed to push for more. So that fight 
and they really showed me, listen, this is where your next level approach has to be. And sometimes our greatest awakenings come from our greatest pain. And what we think is pain in that moment, but it's really what's meant to, again, that resistance, right? Bring us to that next level of life, our next level of what we're meant for. Wow, that's so inspiring. I, your your drive and your ability to face life's adversity literally hanging on uh, a thread um, outside the your car window to be able to bounce back, fight, literally fight your way through back to where you've gotten is so inspirational and that, you know, not, we're all dealt different hands and for you to, to take the hand that you were dealt and to turn it into a gem is, I don't have words. It's, it's so inspiring. And, um, you know, I, it's my mission, man. I don't, I don't have a choice. It's my mission. Mm. I'm meant to serve that mission, you know, and, and I've known it. So how could I not, I don't even have control of it. It's what I know that I'm meant to do. And mm. it's holding on to that, you know, it's, it's not allowing, you know, any, anybody to take that away or to own that. I, I own that. I own that power. No, you know, and you deal with a lot of things in life that, you know, even especially with boxing and a lot of things you deal with in, in the fight game. Um, but I mean, listen, in life in general, limiting beliefs and, and things that you're told and, you know, conditioning from just society that you're around, you can't do this, no this. And it's just a matter of being able to stay strong and true to yourself, hold on to the empowering beliefs that you hold on to. Because again, it goes through our head, our, our heart and our souls, who we are. Our mm-hmm. head allows all this conflict in. When you do that, it steers you away from everything or turns you into this robot. You become hypnotic. You hold on to what's true here and you, you retain that you really will continue to ascend to what your true destiny is, what your true greatness is, because we're all here for a different purpose. We're all here to share something different, to serve a different value system, to serve a different mission. And it's just about, you know, holding on to that and believing in that, not just believing it, knowing it, you know, knowing what your truth is within yourself. What if you, what if you don't know? What if you're unsure? Well, uh, let me ask you a specific question. In, in your case, you're fighting those fights uh, and you're in that ninth, eighth, ninth round. And like you said that it came to you, the word believe, like, what are you believing when you're completely exhausted? You're bleeding your nose. I th- was your nose broken on that one? I'm trying, I'm losing track at this point. <laughs> I can't remember it but like what, believe in what, what do you, for you personally, what was the belief in to push you through when you had nothing left in your tank? Then I'm meant for more. Mm. that I'm meant for greatness, mm. that I'm meant to live a legacy. That's why I'm here on this earth, because I'm mm. here and given the challenges, the obstacles that I'm given in my life for the purpose of overcoming them and setting the standard, raising the bar and showing others they can do the same. I'm mm. uh, born with that warrior heart, soul, however you want to put it. Um, and, you know, I, it, it's just always burned inside me, only burns brighter, stronger, fiercer. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, it's that belief in myself. It's, it's not, and again, it's not even, no, it, it's a belief, but it's knowing. I know I'm meant for more. I know I'm meant to leave a legacy. And that legacy is to inspire and empower others. And I'm capable of absolutely everything and anything in this life. And if I don't attain it the first time, it's not a loss. Uh, you know, I'm not sounding cliche, but it's true. It's not a loss. It's a lesson. And I got to pick up the pieces, put it back together, and come back in a different way. Come back stronger. Come back smarter. Come back wiser. Learn. Mm-hmm. Well, Cause you're not growing, you're not progressing, you're dead, you know. So, everything in this life you have to look at, and you're, you know, there's a book, Obstacles Away. It's true, you're using your obstacles that come before you as your way to gain what you want out of life. And it's only the levels of 
our uncomfortability and our uncertainty that hold us back from what we truly are capable of attaining. Mm -hmm. One of my mentors uh, has said, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. You seem so incredibly driven. What do you do to find fulfillment in your life? Well, one, I want to say that's 100% true. Um, I see so many people that people would say they define success. Many of my clients, they're so successful. They're miserable. So they're not following their, their passion, their heart, their soul. So I just right. want to comment on that. Absolutely so true. Um, listen, fulfillment is so many ways. I'm truly, I'm blessed. You know, I find fulfillment in my, in my pup, man. He's a rescue. He's awesome. He's fulfillment in, in my brother. I mean, he's, he's, he's my heart. He's my soul. Um, fulfillment in what I do. I get to, I, I get to change people's lives every single day. I literally get to change people's lives every single day, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I get to guide them. Even if they come into me just to work because they want to get stronger or achieve a certain um, physical, you know, stature, they want to decrease their body fat or they want to get better, you know, whatever sport that they're competing in, whatever their physical nature is that they're coming to me for. But I get to get into their head and I get the text messages still to this day, you know, three years after training client, five years after training client, whatever, you're still in my head or what we did here or what you said. <laughs> like, I, I have that lasting impression of how many people can say that I'm blessed. When mm -hmm. I go and do, you know, um, speaking engagements someplace and, you know, you have somebody that comes up to you afterwards and just, Thank you for something that you said that will always stay in them, you know, and just thank you for, I had a kid in South Bronx that came up to me and just thanked me for believing in him and uh, giving him somebody to believe in because he said, nobody ever does that. Hmm. Nobody gives us something to believe in anymore. You know, when you have a kid say to you, that's fulfillment, you know, being around my loved ones, being around, you know, friends, family, and, and you know, just enjoying time with them, you know, just being in every moment of every day doing the most that I can to, to recharge myself, refill myself and take in and appreciate, be grateful for just having another day and just what I get to do and living my dream and living my passion. Um, you know, the, I live in it, I, I, but it's how I live my life. You know, I live for fulfillment. I'm constantly looking for fulfillment. That doesn't mean that I'm magical. I, I deal with pain. I'm human. I deal with pain. I deal with frustration. I deal with all these things. But it's, you know, going through it facing it head on. And I'll take myself to the depths of those pains when I'm, I'm hurt or sad, or I take myself there because I want to feel it and I want to understand it. Mm. I want to understand it as deep as I can as to the core of me. Why am I feeling this way? Why, you know, is this going on? What could I have done better? And then, okay, smash it. Go ahead and move on <laughs> you know, and, and, and learn from that. Um, it's just how, it's how you live your life. You know, it's how you look at things. It's, you know, uh, you know, my mother, my mother gives me fulfillment. I lost, you know, my mom, um, August 23rd, oh, excuse me, October 23rd, this past year from her, she battled cancer for the past couple of years, you know, and she, you know, she's a big factor in it. She brought me and my brother up when we were kids, you know, to be individuals, to always believe in ourselves, that we were leaders. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that as a big part of um, why I think me and my brother are who we are and, you know, watching her battle and the strength that she, when she first got diagnosed, she just became this superhuman individual, you know, uh, I remember when she first got diagnosed, she just so uh, superpowers came out. Of her. It was amazing to watch. Um, like you know, what? And just uh, watching her strength, just her mental attitude, her emotions, her emotional intelligence, like shot up her mental capacity to handle things. Shot up. She just turned into, she's always been a bit of a badass. <laughs> you know, you're two kids like us. You're, you're a bit of a badass, you know, <laughs> love my mom to, to death. Um, she had to have been oh, to so endure so everything that she went through. Absolutely. You know, let me, let me backtrack. Like God, God bless mom. I love you. 
um, you know, to, to raise two kids and to deal with my father and to deal with, you know, uh, poverty and to deal with, you know, trying to take care of us and working her ass off to take care of us and all those things. Yeah, she's, she's exactly why we are who we are, you know. Um, so fulfillment in that, you know, and fulfillment in, you know, she passed and I said she died. I said she passed because mm-hmm. she went on to, she was too big to be here. She was too mm-hmm. large to be here. Mm-hmm. Her energy, her spirit, she needed to be up there watching over us all. And I, I'm grateful enough to feel because I feel her walking with me every single day she's passed. Mm-hmm. I see it, I feel it, I know it, I hear her. I'm fulfillment, you know, I, I'm fulfilled with that. She fulfills me. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that this is just the, even this interview with you, this podcast with you, the next stage in where I'm going to go, where I'm destined to go. So, you know, this is fulfilling me. It's all how you look at life. Oh man, I love that. I, my mother passed uh, right around the exact same time of year too, uh, to the same thing. And, and I feel the same way, just uh, such a presence in my life. And yeah, I still feel her as well. So I can, I feel that. Um, shifting gears for a second. What, what is your thought on um, transgender athletes in professional sports, especially in combat sports? Yeah. I mean, that's, well, that's such a good question. Um, look, obviously, you know, I, I believe everybody should do everything that they want to do 100%. Um, but my, you know, I don't, my question with that would be what performance gains or limitations, you know, anybody's transgendered has in that sport Just because of hormonal changes, hormonal balance. And that's where, you know, not, not having enough knowledge. That's not my, my backgrounds to be able to truly speak on that. Um, if that's an actual fair situation, competitively speaking, that's all strictly competitively speaking, you know, talk about performance enhancing drugs and, you know, never using those and being limited in sports or, you know, those being banned in sports, obviously. Um, so then where does that differentiate when it comes to transgender in sport? That's, that's a hard question. That's one that, you know, um, I definitely would, like to research even more into so I have a better understanding too on that. You know? did, did you ever compete against guys in any sport growing up? No, not compete, but, you know, we train. You, you always want to train with the, the better athletes. So, you know, basketball, yeah. I, I would play against guys one-on-one all the time to push me. Um, I would compete. You know, I competed – I shouldn't say competed – in, in beach volleyball competitions that were, that were co-ed, but, you know, that's, that's uh, it's on the same line. Um, sparring for fights we'd spar with guys all the time hmm. all the time but it's it's you're not you're not trying to challenge as it was competition he's pushing me sure. to i'm better he's picking on my weak points he, you know they 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 have more years in the sport more experience in the sport for the most part at least the guys that i would spar with um you know so it wasn't there's a differential it's two athletes you know it's two athletes that are pushing each other to become better Oh um, same thing I would pick, you know, and I'm just saying, you know, from the guy saying for me too, I would do the same thing. I would push him and pick a point, pick apart, pick him apart, you know, cause it's not about a guy or a girl. It's about two athletes, two boxers, two fighters, you know, um, sure. but when you're in true competition, you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a tough situation. I mean, Billie Jean King did it, did it well. <laughs> you know, well she did. Uh, well, but specifically in combat sports, I, combat, you know, yeah, it's, I, I forget I, what I, what her I, name is, but there's the tra- transgender uh, UFC fighter that's just yeah, 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 yeah. dominating, and it's like, oh man, to see these 
women, you know, born female just get pummeled. There's another case uh, in Connecticut. There's a couple of transgender athletes uh, in high school that are, are track runners. Like, okay, and there was a, um, oh, did I lose you? Yeah, you froze up. I think I lost you. I hear you. Back. I don't see you. Oh, I see you, but. You there? You're frozen. You there? Nope, yeah. there we go. You back? Sure. I was just singing a little Milli Vanilli, blame it on the rain. Um, <laughs> I was just saying, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's, tra- there's two transgender athletes in high school, I think in Connecticut, that are track athletes, and they're just blowing away the competition. And there was a young girl who was, you know, in the top three, I think, uh, in her state or whatever. I- I'm getting the details a little bit mixed up, but she was essentially bounced from going to state, I think it was, because two of the spots were filled by these transgender athletes. And, you know, she was saying like, look, same kind of thing that you just said, I'm all for anybody pursuing their own path or whatever, but that there is a disproportionate um, advantage to the male biology when it comes to physical strength. And obviously that comes into play in, in sports and competition. So it's hard to it, deny that that's not an equal playing ground. I would want to have more Yes, understanding, education to be able to actually speak on that. I don't like speaking on things I'm not truly back in as to how much, what the differential really comes out to be with, you know, transgender athlete competing. Um, you know, I'm for it, but again, it's, it's, if performance space is giving them a complete disadvantage, then, you know, by taking, you know, power, uh, performance enhancing drug, it's not. Yeah, I mean, if you were to ask me, I think the, there's a clear line with sports in my mind. If you're born uh, male versus female, I think those should be kept separate because of the unique advantages. There are, I think there's, <laughs> I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about, are there any other sports where there's a female advantage? And I think in swimming because of the female body, the, it's more buoyant or whatever. And there's, there was a woman who swam I, some ridiculous, crazy amount, like for five days or whatever it was. <laughs> but um you know, that would be an advantage to women in that regard. But, but by and large, obviously there's a, there's an advantage to strength and speed and power that just inherently goes to the male biology. But, uh, but as far as human beings go, I think we all deserve love. I think we all deserve to pursue happiness. But when it comes in interaction with other people, that's where I draw a line in competition specifically. But I'm going to go back for a second because I was talking and I'm thinking, I said, you know what though? It, it's still at the same point, combat sport especially, goes to technique. How many guys sparring that same weight that I've, you know, taken, you know, so to speak. I definitely had the better outcome in the sparring situation mm-hmm. because of technique um, or experience, you know, same weight. I'm saying I've sparred guys bigger than me. I've sparred guys smaller than me. And, and you know, where I would get the best of them in the ring. Um, you know, when it comes to grappling, jujitsu, um, Anything along those lines. Um, it also I've seen many situations where females have taken down bigger guys because it comes to technique and skill. It's, yeah. it's about the stronger, the faster, you know, um, more powerful. It, it technique is a huge asset, especially in boxing. I mean, if you can can move, slip, and you know how to land certain punches, um, and you understand, you know, the true science of it, um, science of any combat sport and skill of it. 
you're going to come out as the winner. So, you know, I have to have that argument in place too, as I'm actually, you know, thinking about that question a little bit more. Um, you know, technique is, technique's a huge factor. And I'd probably put up to play devil's advocate. And, and as, a, as a fighter, as an athlete, I'd probably put that argument up against it. So it's Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I'd, you know, I'd put you up against 99 out of 100 guys and you'd probably, you know, they'd be the ones laying on the canvas before you would. But, um, but pound for pound and technique against technique, I think that's where males typically have an advantage, obviously. Um, or at least in my mind, obviously. Um, I wanted to ask you, I'm in, I'm intrigued by, uh, being a woman in such a com- combative, um, ruthless sport. How do you, and where do you find space to be a woman? Not to say that you can't be a woman and a warrior. Cause I absolutely believe that you can be a warrior. I call, I call my daughter, a warrior princess, you know, because of the dichotomy of both the masculine and feminine energies in all of us. Right. But competition and blood sport is, is a very masculine energy. Where do you find time for feminine energy? Well, let me ask you a question. What's the difference between a boxer and a Marine firefighter? A hero is a hero. Fighter is a fighter. Boxer is a boxer. It's about who you are, right? It's about who you are inside. I, I'm just following something that, again, it fell into my lap. It came to me because it was part of my destiny. I was supposed yeah. to fulfill. It's going to open up doors, right? Um, that has nothing to do with who I am outside of that. Anybody that knows me outside of that, I'm an Eminem. I've been called that many times. All right, on the outside, soft, I'm a mush. I'm the biggest mush you're ever going to see. You're, you're gonna, um, you know, I, 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 live, I live and die by my heart, by my soul, what I believe in. Um, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's just about, it's, I'm an athlete. I'm an athlete, um, a a catalyst to change lives. I'm I'm here to inspire and empower. And, you know, I'm, I'm following my path. So it's not about, like I said, I've never gotten in a fight in my life. Um, I've broken up two fights in, in, in two clubs in, in my life that I definitely stopped and was asking, you want to be a bouncer here? I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, 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 but you're welcome. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, no, it's just, it, it's, and again, it's never been about putting a beating on somebody. It was never about that, you know, boxing. Um, and, and to me, it, it isn't about that. It, it's about pushing myself to my all, to attaining the best individual, the strongest, um, elev- elevating my mental, physical, spiritual, emotional. But then again, it was also um, what I found out, not just my path and changing myself, uh, growing myself, but um changing lives of others i wasn't boxing for just myself it wasn't my path i was boxing to inspire others and every time that you know i ran into tough spots in in my boxing career and i mean in terms of just man this is this is a lot how i bounce most times of you know just stress or you know um just exhaustion and i would get an email or um a fan letter at Gleason's gym or any of the other gyms i'm at and um you know, from somebody, not even from just the U.S., from overseas, how they know my story, they've seen my documentary, they've seen me fight, I'm inspiring their life. Like, those came at all those times. And it led me to really know that listen, this is not just about you. This is your journey for others as well. You're yeah. following the mission. So, you know, it's not, it's not about being in, in, in a bloodbath, a blood sport, whether you're, you know, UFC, you know, you're your MMA fighter, you're, you're boxing, you're whatever. You, an athlete's an athlete. I'm a fighter. I was a fighter by nature. 
You know, I said, anybody can be a boxer. Anybody can be a boxer because, again, it goes into the mental. You're learning a skill. But not everybody can be a fighter. You're born that way or not. And being in that sport is just another avenue of us following our hearts and our souls to push ourselves to a higher level and to be able to show others what they're truly capable of. Mm -hmm. And seeing the physical sometimes does, you know, people see, oh, wow, this person is, they really are hurt. See what they are going through. Man, they're exhausted. They're tired. They can do it. I can do it. Maybe some young girl saw a fight. I mean, I have a, um, a fan of mine out in Argentina, actually, um, that she came into was the night before the fight or two nights, excuse me, before a fight it was my last workout. And she snuck into the gym and her and her father and uh, introduced herself to me. And um, her father's like, she's your biggest fan. And it touched me in such a way. She ran up to me as I was walking into the ring that night. They gave my team a picture of me and her that they took the other night, the night before. And um, she just reached out to me a few weeks ago and she's competing in MMA right now. Wow. Like she, you know, so it's, you're changing, you're empowering, you're inspiring others. If everything you know, you don't even know, or everything you do, you don't even realize it sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with your, like everything else, your why, your purpose. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that too. I think that there's, I think more of what I was getting at is, less to do with biology and more to do with um, the innate qualities that we all, that I believe we all tend to have. So like my sister's into dancing and uh, there's a, there's a lead and there's a follower, there's a leader and a follower, right? And she'll play, she'll dance on both sides to better understand both of those, for lack of a better term, energies, right? And I have found that to be true with sports, with art, with everything. And how do you find space for that, for both of those energies in boxing and or just life? Because I'm a lover first. I've been a lover my whole life. It's true. I'm a lover first. You know, if, if, if I love you, if I'm in a relationship with you, you have my heart, you have my soul, you have you 100%. You know, mm. um, my friends, my, my close circle, they're my family. You know, I, they know my schedule is crazy. <laughs> you know, my schedule is crazy. Um, we barely talk when we do. It's you know, like we never stop talking and I hold them so dear to my heart. I need anything, drop a dime, they're there and I'm there mm -hmm. for them. Um, you know, and it's, it's, I, I that's just, you know, I, I'm about living life. I'm about being of love, giving love, serving with love. Um, I said, I'm, I'm an Eminem. I push myself to my limits because that's what I know that I'm, I'm here to do and what I, I thrive on, mm -hmm. coming better and better on every aspect of my life that I can. But when, you know, all is said and done, I'm the absolute lover. I'll lay on the couch, hang out with you, fun, easy going. Just, you know, I just enjoy life, you know. Um, that's, I, I'm, a, I'm a person, you know. I, I'm a soul. And I, you know, will live my life to the best of fulfilling my soul and what it needs and it craves every day. You know, and, and I truly believe in having love and connection on many levels, which is something that even, you know, growing up in the sport, being that, you know, type A 1%, wanting to be the best, push myself and still continue to do that. You get caught in, you know, um, areas of, of creating significance and certainty in your life because um, of what you're trying to, uh, the expectations of yourself that you're continuously trying to exceed and push beyond. Um but one thing that gets pushed to, to the side and doing that because you're pushing all your, your time is that is your love and connection. It's something that I crave. And it's something that I, you know, learned and through one of my mentors through Tony Robbins and hearing, you know, him speak and talking about different values in life 
And it really made a lot of sense. And so, you know, even before I, I, you know, had heard him saying, speaking of these things or something, I knew I was craving and, you know, really just learned to appreciate because life's not guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. So holding mm-hmm. on to people and values and what's important to your heart and your soul are very, very important to me. Um, so if you're asking that, I don't say, you know, feminine energy, masculine energy, yes, we both have both. And definitely in, in sport, 100% when I'm training myself, and, and even when I'm working with, with clients, definitely is much more commanding is that masculine energy, um, you know, and, and being that alpha, um, 100% on that, that alpha, 100% I'm, I'm going to push my clients just the way I push myself and I'm going to take them deep. And I'm, when I'm coaching, whether I'm coaching physically or when I have somebody in a room or on a phone call or, you know, on the computer and I'm coaching them from, you know, uh, I'm here and they're in California and I'm coaching them and, you know, I'm going to take them as, as deep as I take myself to better them. Um, but again, that's, that's me and that's that alpha, but I'm also going to take them deep and show them that love and that compassion and it's okay. And, and we all go through this and that's that feminine. So it's kind of, it's a balance and it's learning to have that strength and that's and be able to walk that line when it's necessary. Yeah. It's a powerful combo. It, it's, you have to understand too, when times that, that strength starts to take over and be able to, you know, look at certain things, put it in perspective, say, okay, take a breath, you know, and that's when I have to take a breath myself and like all right just chill and go back you're going a little too hard take them back okay it's okay you know these are these are lessons you're learning and this is why you're doing this look at it this way and you know be able to grow with them and grow from them in terms of a clientele that's what i was getting at yeah it's like how and when do you take time and space for that and how like like how do you navigate through that to navigate what growing growing with them and growing from them or in what sense yeah, just when you're when you're faced with something that um, I guess this is sort of how we started the call is how do you know the difference between when you need to have more backbone and push through and persevere versus maybe there's a lesson here that I need to listen to and surrender to and stop trying to have my own will through this and be open to another possibility. It's, you know, it being able to be open to what you actually feel again going back to to internally what you feel is right in that moment being able to learn to it's 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 practice i'm continuously practicing i practice this stuff every day because it's not about just you know you you can't uh, you can understand certain aspects but you can't own unless you're continuously practicing it and growing it sometimes going through situations with a client brings something to light that you didn't realize before so so it's about growing with them Mm -hmm. see like that so you know you definitely you learn with them too you might you know maybe say something that's a little harsh like you know you gotta take a step back and maybe i'll approach it differently this way but it's it's i think the balance is more being open to you know what you feel internally is right within yourself and being able to really zone in on on your own your own feelings because when you if you get too caught into your your mindset um I think that's where you start to veer off into confusion, chaos, you know, um, and start to steer away from what your actual truth in the situation should be rather than being able to open up and just purely, truly listen, not mm. just to what is being said, but to what's not being said. Mm. You know, that's, that's the most important key, being able to be on that level with that person, being able to look in their eyes, feel their energy. You know, because everything is about energy. We're all connected. Once you can really start to gravitate into what this person's actually saying and look beyond their words, that's where the keys really are. 
Um, but it's it's all a matter of growth. Um, I don't know if you ever if, if there ever is always a, a right or wrong because a lot of times too it's up to that person to really also take what you're saying, be able to make those choices on their own and take what they're saying from you and, and apply it to what they're actually going through in their life. Mm-hmm. It, 60, 70, 80 years from now, what is it going to say on your tombstone? <laughs> From bad ass motherfucking unit. <laughs> that, I know, I mean, we can, we can etch that in today. That's oh, a done deal. Man, you know, I, that, that's, 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 you know, I've thought, I've, I've thought about a lot of questions. I never, I never thought about. Um, that's a really good question. Yeah, it's a deep I, one. Yeah, yeah, that really is. Um, wow. I, I, you know, would, would like it to say something like that, you know, lived, lived my, lived, capital L-I-E-D. There's a big difference there. You can live and just get by and survive. You can live and go after things. You take risks, you say fall. I lived my life um, in order to leave a legacy of, touching the lives of others or inspiring the lives of others. Um, you know, it, I got, you, you got me on that one. I, I definitely would like it to say that I, you know, that, that this, this person led a path to inspire, be a source of inspiration to worked to be lived, lived to be a source of inspiration to lives around her, as many lives she can touch around her. So that's really all that I want to do. I love that. You know, uh, one of my idols is Muhammad Ali. And one of the things that I love about the way that he lived his life was, you know, a lot of people do think of him as a boxer, but he was so much more than that. And he, he lived something that was bigger than the sport itself. The sport just happened to be the medium in which he was gifted to communicate through. And I see you doing a very similar thing where you have these natural gifts. Um, Boxing was your, your literal and figurative canvas to paint your life's work on for a number of years. And now you're, you're creating that next chapter of uh, your legacy, which is a beautiful thing. And I'm inspired by your story. I know many, many others are as well. Um, For somebody that's interested in, in getting coached by you, where can they go? How can they find you? Uh, They can reach me on Facebook and go to optimal performance coach. um, I am Sacarado. And uh, you can email me at am.saccarato, S-A-C-C-U-R-A-T-O at gmail.com. Instagram, spiky underscore saccarato. Um, look forward to receiving any emails from you guys. Look forward to awesome. reaching out or working with any of you. Spiky, you are a badass. Thank you for for taking the time and finally getting it together. We've... 100%. Thank you for, for taking the time yourself. <laughs> I appreciate the time and your interest. Thank you for the opportunity. Fantastic. Take care. Take care.